And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you and our listening and viewing audience on this Saturday, September 21st. We are your bat around guys. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. Good morning, Mr. Heist. How are you? Did you enjoy your, uh, you, you should have brought your Sherpa blanket, Oreo's Sherpa blanket with you to walk up. I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't get one last night. You didn't get one? No, but I saw somebody walked out with two. Do you want mine? No. Yeah. Mel Antonin gave me his. Yeah. Okay. I haven't opened them yet, so if you want one, right. let me know. I'll get mine tonight. Jane will, Jane will figure it out. Uh, but did you need a sh- did you need a guide walking up here? We no, had an elevator fire yeah. yesterday, so you had to walk up three flights, or and? actually two flights. Okay, and you weren't huffing and puffing. Uh, no. Okay. Boy, you're in better shape than I am. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> okay. All right. How you doing? I'm good. What's up? Uh, we've got an interesting show today, uh, full of uh, interesting guests. Todd Karpovich is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Then Dave Sims, an f- old friend of ours, and yeah. he and I agree on one thing, that uh, Mike Krzyzewski is a pretty special coach. Well, that's good. Uh, we agree on that. He'll be on at 1040. All three of us can agree that he's going to be on at 1045 with us. Right. 11.05, good friend of both of ours. The best opera singing sports writer that I know. Oh, absolutely. Dave well, Shinen. And, and the best piano playing That's right. opera plays, singer yeah. that we know. Yeah. Dave Shinen, national baseball writer. We'll never forget the night we crashed in Philadelphia. We crashed the NBA Finals party at the hotel right. after the Orioles were done playing in a, an interleague game with the Phillies. Okay. And this goes back and eight I'll, years well, ago. Yeah, but no, it was Philly and L.A. Okay, that's when whatever when Larry year Brown was coaching. Right, that's whenever, be twelve, year, thirteen years exactly. ago, two thousand one. Wow. And listen to that. And we we go up on the second floor of the hotel from the lobby up to the second floor. They have this big piano up there. Everybody is gathered around watching him play, watching him sing, and Michael Wilbon goes up there and standing next to the piano and Dave says, Mike, this one's for you. And he goes into Love Train by the OJs. And it was just absolutely fabulous. Really? That's great. Sounds great. uh, And that's how you crashed in. Well, no, we we, we just basically crashed the party. And then he pretends he's (laughs) the entertainment. Right. Anyway, Dave Shinen, who does a super job and has for years. But I want to be clear, he's not the Nationals Beat writer. He's the national baseball writer right, for column, Washington Post. Right, that and columnist. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's just, it's, it rolls off your tongue. You think, oh, they mean he's the nationals writer. Right, He's no. the national baseball writer. And then at 1135, an old friend of both of ours, everybody's We got a lot of old of friends. We do have a lot of Not Ryan McGettigan, though. No. Oh. And by the way, there hey. he is. He's a friend, but he's not an old friend. <laughs> Be happy you're not an old friend of ours. That's good. Greg Olson, uh, Orioles otter. pitcher, the otter, who's uh, working with Jim Hunter in the radio broadcast booth this weekend, uh, will be on uh, right. this week. All right. I'd like I mean, to get his thoughts on what he saw out of Aaron Brooks last night, because if he saw what we saw uh, 
after Richard Blyer pitches the first two innings and made and actually made one bad pitch. I got to tell you, I think that Aaron Brooks' performance last night, I think that was the best pitching performance I saw all season by an Orioles. Could very well be, but I mean, he was fabulous. Seven innings, one one run, one run four re- hits. Retired the last 13 batters, and yeah. there wasn't much hard contact at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Anyway, very entertaining. Tonight, 7.05, it's your last Saturday night game of the year. It'll be Justice Sheffield, the left-hander that the uh, Mariners picked up in the, the James Paxton deal. From the Yankees. From the Yankees. And, boy, we should have had Latson on today to lament no, the Yankees. No, we shouldn't. I've gone around and around and What's around. What's he saying that. about Domingo Germán being suspended? Well, he's, you know, right away he says, the Yankees, the Yankees uh, clinch. You. It's great. The Yankees clinch. It's my birthright to have the Yankees win the World Series. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Same Bill Latson all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but, we uh, love Bill Latson. We love Bill Latson. But uh, he, he knows that they're in trouble in terms of starting pitching. And I mean, But Boy, you know what? They've been in trouble all Look, year with They've it. been in trouble with it all year, and they still won 100 games. They ran yeah. away with the Eastern Division. And the bottom line is they can rake. Is that going to be good enough, though, in the playoffs with the other good pitching that you will face? That's the, that's the whole question. Yeah. It should be a fascinating – I mean, we're anticipating, aren't we, that when, once we get through all the – Drama and nonsense, it'll be the Astros and the Yankees playing to get into the World Series. Yeah, it probably could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now the National League is a different story. I think you can make a case, certainly, that the Dodgers are the best team in the National League, but the Atlanta Braves have probably played as good a clip of baseball with them since, say, June 1st. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you they've played every bit as good as the Dodgers since then. I'd say that the Cardinals, for the last two months – have been as good as anybody with their starting pitching with uh, young uh, Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson. And what Wainwright's and done. And Wainwright's got back in the picture. And All Carlos of a sudden, Martinez. he's, what, 4 or 5-0, and oh, Wainwright. Yeah. And he outdueled uh, Scherzer the other day out in, uh, in, in St. Louis. Right. So. so any of those three division-winning teams, I think, are capable of getting to the World Series. And I'll throw one more team in. I still think if, if – Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. I think that. Well, the, I thought we saw him be Max Scherzer against Wainwright. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I'd like to see one more outing like like that level. We'll, or, we'll get a chance uh, when the Phillies what they, come. What's to he going to pitch like Tuesday night? I would think he pitch uh, probably Tuesday because that yeah. would give him time. They want to. Yeah, they don't need him to clinch the wild, the wild card. They'll right. use him in the first wild card game. Will that game be Tuesday? It will be the first uh, of the two wild cards, so it will be Tuesday, Tuesday. the first. And the American League won't start their wild card till Wednesday? Right. Okay. All right. There we have it. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, as we ask you from the live casino and hotel studios each and every week, and by the way, want to compliment our friends at Live Casino Hotel. They're about to issue, Craig, their, uh, I think it's like their sixth, seventh annual um their, their grants to their cause grants. Mm-hmm. They're giving away $18.8 million. And you and I don't somehow don't qualify don't for qualify, any of that. I don't understand it. Yeah. I think, I, think, next, I think we need to talk to these people. I think, you know what I think we need to do? We need to start some kind of uh, faux foundation. Right. You know, that actually helps people. 
but it certainly would help two people, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would help mm-hmm. you and me. Yes, exactly. All right. Our friends at Live Casino Hotel and Studios want to remind that probably really, ended this sponsorship. That ended, ended this sponsorship, <laughs> but it really is. It comes back to comes back it to is the basic funny though. No, but it comes back to the basic thought. It's just about you and yeah, me. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean if we could get just even a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant right. for what we do. Right. You know. We like to help uh, never mind. Never gotcha. mind. Uh, Craig Heist and I are in the Live Casino Hotel studios, and we urge everyone that is watching us on Facebook Live or listening on the website, the PressBox right. website, to please like and share the show, correct? That's what we have want. Have you guys done it? I have. All I was right. the first one to do We're it We're going to get into actually. double figures today because I'm going to keep reminding people to like and share the program. There's no reason we shouldn't get 12 or 13 shares. Currently at four. We're at four. There you go. Okay. All right, good. Not we're even a good 15 start. minutes in. All right. We're going to we're gonna call that project. You know, you got Glenn Clark's got Project Game Day. We're going to call this Project 20. Oh. We're going to eventually get up to 20 shares on this show. I like it. Has Probably nice not this week. Uh, well, let's aim for a dozen this week. So like and share the programming. Um, so this is Project 12, folks. <laughs> This is project on the way to 20. Uh, Nats got away with a victory last night, and it looks to me like the Cubs are the team right now that is in getting very close to desperation mode, or they're going to be on the outside looking in. Well, they are, and they've they've dropped two. Couldn't have them to a bunch of nicer guys. Well, I don't mind Joe Madden. You know, here's the bottom line for me. You think about what the Cardinals are trying to do in clinching that division, and they went into Wrigley for this four-game weekend series, began on Thursday night, and the, the Cardinals were 0-6 this year at, at, Rig- Wrigley at Wrigley Field, and they go in and win the first two games. Uh, that were said, they both one-run games? Yeah, Last night, so. yesterday was 2-1. Two 2-1, to one. Two to one, yeah. It was the other day 5-4. Five, 5-4, four five, four, yeah, innings, a right. couple of two-run games. And the 5-4, they blew the lead late in the game. They, uh, I think they had a 4-1 lead in that game. The Cardinals game. did, no, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, no, no, no. The, the Cubs had the lead, and then the Cardinals. Oh, that's right. It was the Cubs. It was the Cubs. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Coming from behind and and getting the win. Here's the here's the current situation. I know I said we were going to talk about this later, but I'm thinking now maybe we should get Bill Latson on at 11:20 to to cry and goad him about the uh, Yankees. Anyway, here's the situation right now. Washington Nationals are still atop the leaderboard in the wild card race. They are 84 and 68. Mm-hmm. Here's what they've got left on the board. They have two games. Is that is that called two games in hand when you have more games left to play than I the other team? I believe so, yeah. The but Nationals, there's, there's a two-game difference in the loss column. That's right. big. Okay. And that's two versus Miami in Miami tonight and tomorrow. Right. Then they play five games in four days with the Philadelphia Phillies, including a doubleheader. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday. Day is that night, a day-night yeah. doubleheader? Yes, so two admissions. Yeah. Uh, five games versus the Phillies, and then they have a team that is equally as desperate to get into a wild-card race. The Cleveland Indians come to town, yep. which is by far the toughest um, matchup, I think, of the weekend, uh, of the final weekend. Milwaukee. Is eighty four and seventy. They're two games behind the Washington Nationals. The Nationals have those two extra games. So if they actually would win those two extra games, the Nationals would really be three games in front of the Milwaukee Brewers. 
this is what Milwaukee's got left on their dance card. Two more versus Pittsburgh at home, three at Cincinnati, and three at Colorado for their eight games. The Cubs have now fallen to 82-72. and 72. Is that right, Craig? Uh, eighty-two and seventy-two. That is correct. Okay. And they're they're two games behind Milwaukee. Milwaukee now for the That's final right. wild card spot. They're three in back of the Nationals, and and they're four in the loss column behind the Nationals. Correct. And this is what they've got left on their dance card. They by far have the hardest overall schedule. They have two. The Cubs play two at home today and tomorrow against the St. Louis Cardinals. Then they go play three in Pittsburgh. And then, actually, you know what? I take it back when I say it's the hardest. It's, in a way, it's the one thing that can save them. If they won all five games that they have left with the Cardinals, they probably would knock the Cardinals out of first place, and they would probably be second place. But but here's the thing for the Cubs throughout the year, and this is what's going to decide their fate, I think. And, and at the end of it, if they don't get in, right. all they have to do is at home at Wrigley, they're 51 and 28. On the road, they're 31 and 44. Yeah. And that can't happen because on the road, you want to play at least 500 ball, a little bit better than What that. are the Cardinals on the road? Uh, the Cardinals on the road right now are uh, 38 and 38. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so what you try and do. That's what you try and do. All right. Cardinals have been a red hot team. And you remember last year? Uh, after they fired uh, Mike Matheny mm-hmm. and, and Mike Schild came in, right. the, it took about three weeks, and then all of a sudden they won like about 19 out of 22 or something right. like that. They were red hot and then faded the last two weeks of the season, didn't even make the playoffs. But this year they got red hot again the second half of the year and have gone on sort of like a racehorse gaining ground at the end and uh, gaining some momentum potentially. Right. Uh, I think they're. I think the National League wild card, uh, National League altogether is very fascinating. I think four of the five teams that will play really have a shot to, to get to the World Series. Right, and the Braves uh, clinched their division last night uh, with their win. The Dodgers clinched their division against the Nationals last week. And the Cardinals are fighting to, to do that. Uh, it'll be a while before they do it, but still, I think they're going to eventually get that done because they're playing pretty good baseball right now. And as you said, their pitching has come to the forefront here in the last two weeks in particular. Uh, the Chicago Cubs, their elimination number is seven. The Mets, six. And uh, the Phillies, five. So, again, you're in a situation where uh, there's a lot of teams jumbled up for two different spots and – it's going to be interesting how it plays out. But the bottom line for the Nationals is the fact that with that lead, they control their own destiny in that regard. So, that you know, if you're, if you're fighting for the playoff spot and to get in as the wild card, that's what you want. You, have, you, know, you want that opportunity to control what you do. All right. That sounds good. Listen, I want to remind you again, Project 12, we're looking for 12 shares today. So like and share the show. We're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Before we get Todd Karpovich on, uh, we've got so, so much exciting news here that I think I'm going to create a new stop set uh, because we got a tremendous number of live reads uh, to get accomplished each and every Saturday. We want to remind you that Pro- Pressbox's Project Game Day is back, 
and they'll be there to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including this week's guest, NFL chick Sarita Hubbard. She says she's going to only do the big games. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, press box is Ken Zalis and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners like the Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Press Box on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's game starts at 1 o'clock. The weather out there is supposed to be absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. They're expecting torrential Downpours well, that's, in Kansas that's from City. that tropical storm that just hit Texas. So. Okay. Uh, now, also along those lines, and you can make your call to Todd Karpovich now. If you want to know about what's going on this season and, in high and school. And call him something for me, too. Yeah. If you want to know about what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland, there's one place to do it. Tune into Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And then I want to tell you about one more thing, and that is the fact that Ken Zalis is back, and he's fulfilling all of your Fantasies. That's right. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m., part of the Glenn Clark Radio Show. KZ helps you set your lineup for all of your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show Every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. And by the way, we get unbelievable traffic to follow Ken Zalis's play them and sit It's mm-hmm. unbelievable how much traffic we get on our website. And I don't always brag about that. It's just astounding. Speaking of astounding, we've got, astounding, a, yes. we've got the astounding. Uh, <laughs> I, I had another word for it, Carby, but it won't leave that alone right now. I've got the astounding uh, Todd Karpovich, who normally covers Navy football for us on weekends. What, Navy's off today? They got a bye? They play Thursday against uh, uh, Memphis on Thursday night. They play at Memphis? Yes. Okay. Are they going to win that game? That's going to be a tough matchup. That's that's a good Navy team, though. They really, that new defensive coordinator has been playing pretty well, so we'll see. Is John Calipari still coaching that Memphis team? I believe he is, yeah. That's a joke. That's a joke there, son. That's a joke there. Not, not a real good one, but a joke I nonetheless. Say, I didn't say it was a good one. Uh, Todd, uh, uh, the Orioles season is winding down. There are fumes left. Uh, I know you weren't in the park last night that, no. that I know of, but did you get a, did you get a whiff of uh, Aaron Brooks? Uh, did you watch I any did. of it? I did. He looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly uh, – Making a case to actually get a look in 2020. We'll see. That's all these guys are doing right now is trying to show the front office and bring high that they can be that they should you know be part of the conversation heading into spring training in 2020. And he's been inconsistent, but you know uh, 
if he could pitch like that, he could make you know he could create an opportunity for himself. And that's what most of these guys are doing. But well, we'll you know we'll see. You you do remember that Buck Showalter always and and you know I don't I don't preach Buck all the time, but I thought his 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 uh, narrative on that is don't don't put too much stock into what guys do in March and September. Well, and Frank Robinson used to call that fool's gold. Right. Yeah. Well, you know. And Stan, you asked Brandon Hyde that one was it Tuesday, I think, or Wednesday, I think you asked him that. Yeah. And he was in agreement with that. You know, he was he's kind of on board with that. You know, he said, especially March. Um, and then September, you know, he's just he's still feeling his way because he's used to being in a playoff hunt in September and not, not doing this evaluation. But I think he's learning sort of the same thing. Yeah, you know, you're not, you're not – you're facing, you know, expanded rosters and the talent level not the same. Yeah, you don't you know. know so. You don't know what kind of hit. You're, next March, they won't go. Well, you know, on that game on September twentieth, uh, that great game Aaron Brooks pitched. Uh, did you know that he faced seven guys that aren't in the major leagues right now, or something like yeah, that? They yeah. won't go back and do that. They'll they'll talk about what a great game he pitched. You know, the difference is Brandon is selling hope. Buck Showalter had a real product at the time. He was managing most of the time that he managed the Orioles in the heart of his nine years. For seven years, he had a pretty darn good baseball team. And he was selling, like, who can come in next year and be the one guy to make a little bit of a difference. This team is looking for six or seven guys to come in next year and figure out how to make this team. So they're looking for reasons to want to like guys. Yeah, that's exactly right, and uh, you know, and, and then yeah, and then I think you know the way that they have. I mean, I don't, I don't know how high they are on a lot of these guys. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are just filling out roles. You know, um, High doesn't even know who he's throwing out there to start games. You know, over the next you know over the next week, he right. admitted that. Right. Um, so, and I think you know when they sit down in the off season, I think they're going to they're really go through it thoroughly. But I think you're going to see a lot of these faces in spring training to get an opportunity. You know, we'll see. Um, but again, they got to they got they have to bring in some more talent, and they got to see which guys in AAA are ready to make are, are ready to be contributors to the major league level. See, I talked I talked to Brandon a little bit, and I'm I'm not out there because of doing uh, my press box stuff. I'm not always out there for the four o'clock pressers or the four fifteen, and then at mm-hmm. night after home games, I a lot of times I say, you know what. I'm just going to go home and do my after bird watching show on the weeknights, so I don't get to see him that much. Last night I chatted with him for a couple minutes after the presser, and I, you know, and I the got or pregame. No, uh, after the after the game, late night Post-game. last yeah, night. Okay. Yeah, I got him to sort of say to me, and this is not for the public so much, but uh, I don't think he's going to be upset that they're going to probably try and look to be a little more creative with possibly some opener scenarios next year. You know, he talked earlier in the summer about the fact that the openers thing, it isn't as easy as just flipping your bullpen guys in there and ho- and hoping for the best, that you really need to sort of have guys that fit those roles. Yeah. And, and it is tricky, but I think that's easier to do next year than getting three new starting pitchers. Well, I am, but I, again, there's a good point. But I think a lot of it determines whether or not whether they do that or not is depends on what this starting rotation looks like Let, at the beginning of the let's year. Let's be optimistic that Cobb <laughs> that Cobb's back next year. Yeah. So you start off with Cobb, 
Bundy, and Means as your three starters, okay? Right. I don't see them spending five, eight million a year on a starting pitcher to come in to be the fourth or fifth. I think Wojo has a reasonable chance to be a starter next mm-hmm. year. Here's the thing, though, and Judge Cousin and I were talking about yeah. this, this uh, from MLB.com earlier this week. They, they broke out of spring training this year, really not without five starters and without really a plan about that fourth and fifth spot. You, you can't do that. You it, can't go in, exactly. You got to go into the season with a pretty a plan with we you know what we're going to do in the back end of the rotation. In, in, know, fa- in fairness, this year. They anticipated that Cobb would be back, you know, and that Cobb, Cashner, Means, and Bundy. I'm saying by the time spring training was over, they thought they had four spots, you know, and they were hopeful. Yeah. They were hopeful, and this is the one mistake I really thought they made. I would have brought in Nate Carnes in a minute for $600,000, but I wouldn't have thought in a, in any way, shape, or, 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 way, shape, or scenario that he was going to be an innings eater. I would have no. thought he'd be like an opener or a sixth and seventh inning guy. They actually talked like they thought he might eat some innings. I didn't see. And he gave them nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing this yeah. year. You yeah. know, that was just a really. I mean, I don't want to say it was a bad signing because they, they needed, they needed, they needed death. But man, it, that really did not work out at all. One thing, one thing last night about the Aaron Brooks effort after he uh, came in and start the third inning, and then he goes seven seven innings and gives up a run on four hits was the fact that. Uh, I asked him afterwards in the clubhouse that, you know, what was your stuff like, you know, because it looked as though you had some guys off balance at times and things of that nature. He says, my stuff wasn't as good as the defense was behind me. And that's ah, certainly, yeah, the yeah, case, played a part of it. certainly the case for him last night. And that was even more emphasized in Brandon Hyde's press conference after the game last night. And you haven't heard Brandon say this much this year. It was the fact that he says this was a major league defensive game tonight. Yeah, and, and, and he I, was – I can't tell you what, Hyde was really mad on Tuesday night Yeah, about the defense. I mean, he, he must – I mean, he was about – after the game, he was about 12 minutes later getting into the post-game press conference. And I'm pretty sure he let those guys in the clubhouse know what he thought about that effort, what that performance was Tuesday. Because he, he, was, he was still boiling when he was talking to us. Yeah. I, I had an interesting chat with him after his presser last night because the if you were listening last night, anybody, I asked him about might they try and be more creative using the opener scenario next year. And he answered it in, the, in totally the way I didn't expect. He said, well, it really depends what we have in spring training. And that's what I'm saying. And then I went yeah. up to him afterwards and said, but you said earlier in the year that you can't, you can't just – suddenly do the opener thing. You have to build your staff around it. So wouldn't that be more like doing that work in November, December, adding a couple pieces here, a guy you think that could pitch? And he, and he sort of he said, you know, you're, you're right. That is something we'd need to be more. That's, that's part of it. But the other part of it is going to be get to spring training, whittle through who it is you have, and then yeah. decide who's going to be starters, if you will, uh, and in, and and – more more importantly, who's going to be in the four or five spots because you're going to need about eight guys, seriously. Coming out of spring training, there's going to be eight people, you know, for five spots, essentially. You hope, yeah, you you, hope, you, you hope yeah. that's the case. I'll, I'll yeah. even throw in a name that I haven't mentioned at all as a possibility to be on the big club next year, and that's Keegan Aiken. Not as a guy that they would view as a guy that's going to pitch six to seven innings every game, I could see Aiken 
making the jump possibly and being either an opener or that bulk guy for three and two-thirds innings, I think because look at how crowded that rotation possibly could be next year at Norfolk if Aiken's down there. You already yeah. had Zimmerman and Kramer. Now you got Wells, um, you got Wells, Lother, and Bauman. That's like seven guys. Maybe the thing to do is try and be creative with Keegan Aiken next year, control his innings. Uh, maybe he only pitches 60 or 70 innings, but use him in a, in a way that might be more effective. Yeah, it's going, be, it's going to be interesting, too, to see what, they, how, what they're going to do in free agency. If they're, going to be, if they're going to be active at all, you know, is that, is that going to be part of this? Um, I, I don't see it. I don't think they're ready to spend anything significant. I think to them, their, their free agency is trying to decide whether to, to definitely keep VR yeah. and, and Givens. That's about $10 million there. And for where they are right now with attendance the way it is, I, I think they're going to be um, – they're going to be very frugal well, right now. You could make the argument that after Trey Mancini, Jonathan VR was certainly the, the, most s- valuable the, the second yeah. most valuable Oriole on this team. And I would think long and hard before I decided to do anything with Jonathan VR other than keep him a member of this ball club. I would yeah. agree with that. I would agree. And you think that. Richie Martin, he's going to have to go down and work on his hitting. So, well, that's I, the, I, and that's the thing there. I've even yeah. written about Martin. I'll tell you what I would do with Martin. You can slice and dice it. A year that he's had is pretty devastating for your confidence. I'm telling you, he might be a confident kid, but I would start him next year for about a month at Bowie and let him, because he hit very well at double A in 2018. I would let him go back to the level he was successful at, have him, what's the worst that can happen? He hits 360 for a month and then you move him up to Norfolk, and now he's in a he's in a good frame of mind when he meets the tougher pitching. That's how I would develop Richie Martin. Yeah. I wouldn't. He's incredible defensively. He's, he's an asset. Right, there's glove. no question about it. He's got a yeah. hell of a glove. His arm, I've seen six or seven times this year. That arm, he skips a, a lot of throws. Yeah, but you know, I've also seen VR at shortstop. With and I like VR defensively for the most part, but from shortstop he does the double clutch with the ball before getting it off to first base, and sometimes that cost him. Do you know what I think hurts yeah, VR? Are, are, you know what I think hurts sure, yeah. VR's defense? The fact that he doesn't play one position. In other words, he's, yeah. he's good at both positions. Right. I think he'd be better if he. And he, he, I noticed. I mean, in the National League, he was primarily second, a second baseman, right? right. And yeah. That's that's what was my first look at him, and I loved him when he was with Milwaukee. Now you you talk about an inexpensive and and it's relative. If the Orioles could get their hands on Jose Iglesias of the Reds to come in for two years, it's a eight million dollars, four million a year. Um, that would solidify the infield defense, and then I would play VR at second base most of the time. Alberto and Ruiz could kind of platoon at third base. Uh, You'd have a very good defensive infield that way. Um, Now, before we let you go, we got about three or four minutes more with you, Todd. Um, What do you think? uh, I mean, this is really uh, an audition for Austin Hayes to be the starting center fielder, and it looks like he's passing the audition, doesn't it? 
Yeah, sure it does. I mean, that catch close to catch the other night was was you know incredible, and he's he's up to three thirty three batting average. Um, and remember, he would have been here earlier if he didn't hurt his thumb. But he was out. He was out what six weeks? Yeah, with yeah. that injury. Um, and when when Mullins was uh, struggling, Hayes was supposed to be the could have would have been the guy I think to come up and get a shot. So um, he's about what they expected. I think he goes into spring training with that that being his job to lose. Um, you know, they got they have too many guys who came up as infielders playing the outfield. They need to get some true outfielders who have some range out there. He's certainly the guy that has some range. Uh, we're talking with Todd Karpovich, who covers the Orioles for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, Todd, before we let you go, the catching situation. Do you expect them to expend much energy at this point of the rebuild in bringing other catchers in, or do you think that Severino and Cisco most likely are the tandem next year, simply because why spend a lot of time finding place uh, placeholders when you know in two and a half years that's going to be Adley Rutschman every day? Yeah, and Austin wins in the mix. I don't know how narrow they are with Chances go. Yeah, he's flopped. I don't think his effort's there. Yeah, he's flopped um, in his uh, audition to me. I think he's He doesn't think he's in shape. That's number one. Um, number two, he makes a lot of mental mistakes. Yeah. Um, Number three, I don't know how well he, how much, how much uh, leadership he has behind the plate and calling a game. Um, so I think I think he has he has some work to do this off season to get to get himself back um, on their good side. Or he, he might be finding himself another team. The 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 one thing I felt very confident about with Chance Cisco over the last three or four years, and again I didn't see him a whole host of games in the minor leagues. I saw him occasionally. His numbers, when you look at him on paper look like he would eventually really hit at the major league level. That's been his biggest disappointment because at the end of the day, if he was raking, then I'd be talking about maybe keeping Trey Mancini in right field and playing Chance Cisco at first base. But yeah, he, his, hitting, yeah. his hitting has been absolutely awful. Right. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, oh, the I other – I don't know if he's a guy put the time in. The I other part know. about this, too, is – and I am of the belief – and I haven't talked to Brandon Hyde about this. I haven't talked to Mike Elias about this. But with the way and, and all the hype that surrounds Adley Rushman, right? Uh, I think you'll see him, you know, obviously start the year next year, you know, in the minor leagues. I think it's Frederick. Probably Frederick. But I don't expect or I, I don't anticipate him being at various stages of this system for long. I, I think if there's if there's one thing during this rebuild I think we can count on, it's the the, the fact that even though they may not want to do it like this, I mean, there, there's nothing against a guy with that kind of talent getting some on-the-job training at the major league level. The only th- and let's face it, man, they, they got to do something to generate some um, excitement. Well, that, and that's the other part of it, too. Well, I mean, that's one thing bit of the calculation, but the other bit of the calculation, Craig, and I agree with you on just a sheer playing standpoint, right. but again, you get into that economics of do you want to start his clock on a team that's only going to win 70 games? Yeah, I would think, here's what I think. I think he most likely is the opening day catcher in 2022. 22. 22. Okay. I think really? they're going to... I could see if he's really raking in 21... I could see them bringing him up in July of 2021, but I think the timing is that they want to they want to keep him there in the minors catching some of these guys 
that he's going to be working with. Right. So. It's also Metcalf. They didn't bring him up either. They didn't start the clock on him. No. Nope. Yeah, this year. No, they didn't. So no, a, they didn't. That's a good Todd, point. Yeah. Todd always. Yeah, but there, there were some other reasons for that, obviously. Yeah, yeah his, there was. His, his injury yeah, issues, too. Right, yeah. right. Uh, to always great to talk to you. So Navy's not playing next Saturday either. Thursday night. So Check we can grab time. you next Saturday morning, right? Sounds good, yep. All right. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the season. All right. There you have it. All right. Um, it's time for us to tell people, because uh, we got Dave Sims coming up in about seven seven minutes mm-hmm. or so. Let's tell some people about the Costa Sim. Well, we were over there last night uh, after the game. and uh, That could be any night. Though. Well, that's true, but we were over there last night in the Costa Sim. Who, who was we? How come I wasn't invited? You didn't ask. Yeah. Or I didn't uh, ask. Yeah, right. I think <laughs> that was more probably like, more accurate. Costason yeah. <laughs> at 4100 North Point Boulevard. Pete and Nick will treat you just fabulously. Uh, and they have great specials on the menu uh, all week long. Crab cake night on Monday. Ribs night on Tuesday. Steak night on Wednesday along with half-priced bottles of wine. Lobster, either regular or stuffed with that great Crab Imperial on Thursday. And uh, the prime rib is to die for. I had the filet last night, uh, which is also, that wasn't a special, but it was uh, It's it certainly was still on, tasted special. So tasted special, and it's certainly on the menu. 4100 North Point Boulevard, uh, the legendary Costas Inn. And I will tell you this, you can get uh, the best crabs. And this is maybe the best time of the year. No question. About that. That's what Boo Pal says. To, to go in and get crabs. Uh, and uh, they uh, have various price ranges and sizes. You can uh, also have those world-famous crab cakes, and you can get them shipped to anywhere uh, in the country that you'd like. If you have friends that want a taste of Balmer Hun, uh, and you can get a, probably get a bed in with Nick. That's right. You probably get a bed in with Nick too. Yeah. All right. That's the Costas in, and don't forget that Wednesday steak steak night. It's partnered with, wait a minute, hold on, save the joke, for, let me get through this, half-priced bottles of wine with your steak on Wednesday nights. I, th- I said that. Did you? I did. I'm sorry, I wasn't it's listening. Well, of course not, you never I listened. Still, I was still miffed that you didn't And, and, and by the way, you, it was not a good night at Casa San last night because of Utah's loss to USC. Oh my goodness. So Bad we'll just, we'll leave, it at, we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> A lot of Mormons that <laughs> go out. A lot of Mormons that uh, travel to the <laughs> Costas Inn. On a Friday night. <laughs> All right. Hey, want to welcome back a longtime sponsor and friend, GBT and Mark Schwartzman. They're located right in the heart of Glen Burnie. Glen Burnie Transmissions has only been around going on 60 years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, and we all know that feeling, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the car dealers for repair. Make an appointment, and they offer est- free estimates and free diagnostic. Call GBT toll-free at 855-728-1841. That's 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. If you have any questions about the level of service, go to their website at gbt-online.com to check out the number of five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today, toll-free at 855-728-1841. And you can tell if you drive an automatic, Yeah. you can tell by the sound. Yeah. If you drive a stick like I have for many, many years, yeah. you can tell by the smell. <laughs> That's a good one. There That's you a go. good one. 
That's Craig Heist's own, uh, uh, own personal endorsement. His <laughs> diagnostic for Glen Burnie Transmissions. We'll be back live Casino Hotel Studios in just a couple minutes. And don't forget to like us and share us. This is Project 12. We're looking for a dozen shares of the program today. Like and share the program on Facebook Live. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms World Famous Chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms Chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sliders Bar and Grill, just across the street from Camden Yards, is your place to watch every Ravens and Caps game this fall. Every game day features food and drink specials, and Sliders is set with over 20 TVs, so you don't miss a thing. Be sure to mark your calendar for October 6th at 1 p.m. when Sliders celebrates Fancy Clancy for 45 years of being Baltimore's best beer vendor. You can enjoy the Ravens-Steelers game and party with Fancy Clancy and his very own Fancy Clancy Beer, Baltimore's beer vending icon will be leading the charge with food and drink specials all game. Sliders, one of Baltimore's oldest bars since 1835, just 771 feet from home plate. Get all of the specials and events at slidersbaltimore.com. Hey Birdland, as fall rolls in, the Orioles have you covered for the last home stand of the season. On Saturday, September 21st, the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can receive an Orioles Sherpa blanket. So you can stay cozy and rock the orange straight into next season. And on Sunday, don't miss out on the final 2019 home game, where the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can take home a retro Orioles t-shirt. Plus, after the game, it's your last chance for kids to run the bases. Be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio for the Press Box High School Football Show. Check out Costa in at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costasin.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. 
This is former Turf AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back on the Battle Round Stand the Fan along with Craig Heist, and we are in the live casino hotel studios. And our next guest. Go, go, you go ahead. Our, our next you. guest models and wears the Fiduro about as well as anybody that I have ever met. And that's Dave Sims, the play-by-play voice uh, for the Seattle Mariners and a host of other things, the Mike Krzyzewski Show on XM, uh, and basketball also basketball, and beyond, and basketball and beyond on the Westwood One Radio Network. Dave, good morning. How are you, Craig? I stand doing well, fellas. How you doing? Good. What's the fedora like? I mean, are, are we sporting one this uh, road trip? He had a light blue well, one I, on I wear, last during night. During the summertime, I wear the Kangol caps, the uh, the vent caps that are you know made for summertime, and then you know in the fall and winter, I'll put the fedoras on. So. Yeah. yeah, I got a pretty good. I, I got a strong hat game. What can I say? Thanks. <laughs> you do have an excellent hat game. How long have you been shaving the head? Um, I think ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. And, and is it a daily thing that you do? No, not really. Yeah. Um, uh, even you know when I'm on TV, I mean I can go a day or two without it. I mean nobody else would notice it, but I notice it. And I can hear my dad, uh, the inner voice of my uh, at the end of my head of my father saying, "Hey, it's time to shave, shave. I'm gonna clean it up, tighten it up." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Craig is a, a Maryland Terrapin fan through and through, so he's never gonna find it in his heart to like Mike Shashevsky. I lived down in Durham for three and a half, four years and got to... Until they kicked him out. Yeah, until they (laughs) kicked me out. Uh, But I got to be up close and personal with him. How special a guy is he and all the people that you deal with in this world, sports world? Uh, I've been lucky. I've been around doing sports business for a long time, and he's a top-shelf guy. Um, You know, he's got a big heart. He's, you know, the thing I like... One of the many things I like about him, I remember this, we had Mike Sochi on a few years ago, and I see Mike in spring training like a week or two later, and he goes, freaking guy wrote me a handwritten personal note thanking me for being on the show. Jesus, whiz, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just thoughtful, and, you know, I, I know I, I I passed it on to my kids. I said, hey, you know, stay in, you know, stay in touch, follow up, thank people. Yep. You know, he's caring. I mean, I, I've received, you know, when he – when they've won national championships, I mean, I think we're going to our 15th year with basketball and beyond. And, uh, uh, you know, he's won a couple during that time. He's won a few championships. And he sends me gear. He sent me a watch one time. Uh, now he's, he's, he's a very thoughtful guy, um, very warm. And, boy, when it's time to turn it on and be intense in rock and roll, he's very good. He's mellowed it a little bit, Nate. remember the first time I saw him, I was covering a St. John's game at Army. And, like watching Bobby Knight Jr., Bobby Knight Light. I mean, he was like crazy on the sidelines. But uh, he's calm and collected now by comparison. And, you know, he's had a magnificent career. And, you know, it's one of those H.R. Hutton, E.F. Hutton deals, you know, when he speaks, a lot of people listen. 
you know, my wife worked for a, a medical facility in Durham for Duke for about 25 years. Well, she, it's closed now. It was called the Duke rice diet program. Long story. But, but the point is, uh, uh, I, I've gotten friendly with John Jackson, who's the associate AD down there yeah, and handles the basketball. Guy, yeah. the, the thing he told me this July, I was down there and we had grabbed a bite to eat. He said, I said, you know, I'm not hearing anything about who's going to succeed him. He said he's not even close to thinking that way about yeah. retirement. And he said, let me tell you something. When we lost that game to Michigan in the, in the grade eight this year, he called a meeting back in Durham the next day at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon to turn the page, and they were already planning for the next season. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at yeah. all. And uh, super organized. Uh, it, 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 you know, I love the fact that you know with all the money he's made Duke and he named that family center after his mom, I mean, that speaks volumes right there. That's all you really need to know. And I, I probably – well, I mean, this is uh, you know almost into September, and I've been asked the question a bunch of times in the last few months. Uh, baseball guys who are you know big sports fans and hoop fans, when's he going to retire? I said, well, last I looked, I think he turned seventy-two, and it's pretty daggone strong. He's got what a new hip, an ankle, and a, and a <laughs> knee. He ain't going anywhere. Well, what what you said was you know uh, to to go from like a Bobby Knight type of guy to a guy who's a little bit more mellowed, a little bit more reserved, but still has that passion burning. I was going to say. A knee, a hip, and some surgeries <laughs> will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's very helpful. I mean, everybody I know that's had knee and hip surgery, they swear by it. They say they they never felt better. Hey, yeah. Dave, one of them. Dave, in every baseball season, there's there can be a surprise team out of the gate that nobody had their finger on, and you guys started the season thirteen and three, and it really looked like, boy, these Mariners, this Depoto put together an interesting club. What the heck happened after thirteen and three? Well, yeah, actually, the be- our best mark was thirteen and two. Two, that's and, right. And you know, we were batting the ball all over. We were hitting the ball out of the yard with great, tremendous regularity. I mean, uh, you could count on it. You know, for those first fifteen games, pitching was was good enough. Um, the defense was lousy, but we just outslugged everybody and outscored everybody. And then once the as you would expect, the, the hitting, that kind of bashing cooled off. You're not going to sustain that for yeah. 162. Once that cooled off, you know, the defense got really got exposed. The starting pitching got exposed. And uh, that, that was your ball game. Um, you know, we have, you know, we have three left-handers that are virtually identical. I mean, Tommy Malone, Marco Gonzalez, Wade LeBlanc, they were starters. Wade's in the bullpen now. But, you know, soft toss and left-handers. Felix was, you know, Felix is not near what he used to be. Yeah. And, you know, whoever else they put in there, it wasn't good. And then he threw in an injuries. It just started cascading after that. Dave, what about Felix Hernandez? I mean, we talked to him last night after the game, and he's sitting there saying, you know, I got one more start to go. We'll see what happens. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling uh, uh, about it, uh, whether he stay, moves on, that kind of thing. But, I mean, there's a certain level of frustration right now going on with him, and I was just wondering what your take on it was. Well, I'd be stunned if he comes back, yeah. if he's brought back. Um, I mean, the, clearly the game plan, knowing that you know, he hadn't had 95-plus 95, 90, you know, fastball for a while. And you know, the guys went up there, the Orioles went up, the game plan was to be fearless and attack and first, second pitch, and they were hitting ropes. 
And there were balls, too, that were hit up the middle. Felix literally was throwing it and ducking. Um, it's just not the same guy. Father Time has caught up and kicked his butt, and uh, that's, that's pretty much it. It's pretty plain and simple. I mean, he's one at six. The last game he won was the first start. It was April 1 against the Angels. I think it was at our place. And then he got hurt. He had the shoulder issue. And, you know, it's gone downhill. It, he had a great run. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. He had some stats where he had. Oh, he led the, he led the like AL, 400, yeah. 400, yeah, 400-some starts, 230 starts where he gave up three runs or less over seven innings and came away with no decision. Wow, yeah. In the bulk of those games. It is some of his problem at this point, and don't, don't get me wrong, it's real hard to change in midstream. The only guy that I remember that really lasted a long time after he changed his whole uh, game plan was Frank Tanana. Is he willing to to make the admission that hey, I can't get people out with my heater? I've got to change my whole approach. Well, yeah, he did change. I mean, the changeup is his best pitch. He's got a good curveball. He just doesn't have the heater to, to, to put any fear into people. And yep. yeah, and that was a big uh, point of uh, discussion when when uh, Depoto and and uh, Service took over. That would have been what what is it? You know, in the 16th season, and. Um, yeah, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but he he hasn't been rolling. Um, no, he hasn't been rolling at all. And, you know, it's, it's a shame because he meant so much to, to the uh, franchise. We had a lot of bad teams, and and every day, every Felix uh, start was Felix Happy Felix Day, and and it's like Steve Carlton went the Phillies back in '72. I mean, you knew every day was every start was going to be special and fun to watch. And, you know, obviously the, the the high point was the perfect game was it August 15 of 2012. And another couple of years. Yeah, he was good when Lloyd was there, but it just, you know, it, it just everything caught up. It happens. And yep. The change has not been able to be made for whatever reason. I know Verlander turned things around. Felix didn't, and uh, you know, there you are. Dave, you, you talked about the thirteen and two start, but how has Scott's service uh, kind of handled all this as as the thing started to go south a little bit during the course of the year? Well, he knew he didn't have a pennant contender. I mean, yeah. he and Jerry, I mean, that was set up that way that, hey, they were going to tear down a team that won 89 games. They thought that they couldn't, that, that wasn't sustainable, and they wanted to get value for uh, Paxton, who had, you know, when they, they dealt him, he had two years, I think two to three years of control left that have made him a, little more, a lot more attractive. But I figured, hey, you know, we've seen teardowns before Houston did it, and Kansas City's done it, and. So they figured, hey, let's make a run at it, and 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 the bolt and let's face it, not, I don't know, it was open, but uh, the farm system was was not good at all. It was if it wasn't last, it was in the bottom three. So they turned that around with all the deals. They're up to eleventh in the last rankings I saw. How good? And we're seeing some of the kids. Some of the kids are starting to work their way up to the big club. How good is the kid that's going to pitch tonight? Have you seen enough of them to have made your sort of judgment what he's what he's capable of? Justice Sheffield. Um, it's still, you know, Jury's still out. I mean, this is his third team. You know, the Yankees were you know, certainly touted him a lot. Yep. Um, he, the best thing that happened to him this year was uh, he got sent down. He wasn't getting it done in AAA at, at Spokane. Those ballparks are a little funky and, and hitter friendly, and so he, they put him down. And, and I thought this explanation I thought was interesting, and I, and I think I can buy it. That when they took him from AAA and put him down to AA, he was with guys who he'd hung out with 
during spring training and personality wise and peer wise, it was more compatible for him. And he performed a heck of a lot better down there. And I tell you what, his last two starts have been, have been good. You can see the progress being made. He clearly has talent, good slider, change up. They're working on that. Fastball's good. Um, I think when I first started hearing about him a couple of years ago, I guess after the Yankees got him from Cleveland, evidently his, his fastball was in the high nineties and, it looked like he was trying to throw the ball through the through the catcher when he made a, a, a start. We needed a fifth starter on the third week in April, and he was also he couldn't you know he couldn't slow the game down. And I remember talking to him the next day, the next day. I said, "Dude, what in the hell was wrong with you? Can't you breathe out there?" Because <laughs> yeah, I was too hyped up. So that, I think he's got that. He's improving dramatically on that. I mean, I wouldn't you know he's not a composed eight-year pro right now, but I mean he's the progress is there. Uh, the other day, he walked four guys, but he got up to a really good start the first two innings. I think he was like six up, six down. So he's, he's got some talent. We're talking with Dave Sims. We've got him just a couple more minutes. Dave, uh, a player who's meant a lot to the Mariners over the past few years had the exact opposite kind of season to Felix Hernandez, and that is Kyle Seeger. Uh, he was injured in spring training, and I forget, was it an elbow or a, a – No, it was a left-hand injury. He dove. To his right, to the line, towards the line, trying to snare, uh, trying to backhand a hard hit ball uh, in the game against the Cubs, and uh, tried to play through it for the next couple of days, and they shut him down for two months. And then when he came back, you know, slow start, stuff getting going, and, and this was after he had spent so much time in remaking his body, getting a little more, a lot more flexible, losing right. some weight, and also committing to uh, not trying to pull everything. And he hit the ball. Uh, well the other way and you know he's got the 22 home runs he's hitting something like I don't know the numbers are something like 39 in the last 48 games or something like that and that and he took his batting average from like a buck 48 to 250 260 he's yeah. done a hell of a job he has done a hell of a job is he under team control and are they looking at him as a a piece to hold on to or would they like to you know on. what? I and I wouldn't a million years speculate on what Jerry's going to do. Okay. Uh, I think he's got, I think he's got at least one more year. Yep. If not two, at big dollars, and you know, with Jerry, anything in terms of making moves, you know, Jerry, you know, we could use a, a stud pitcher next year uh, if they were to make a move and try to move him, or I mean, I get a stud pitcher, but even you know, right. a, a second tier type of guy. Uh, that wouldn't shock me. Well, you, what the Orioles are trying to do right now with Mike Elias uh, and Sig and, you know, here in Baltimore is to rebuild this and to get it to where it's a, a winning franchise again, Dave, and, and to be consistent with it. And the team in your well, Good luck with that in this division. That's a yeah, brutal division. Well, that's what I'm saying. But in your division, we've seen that happen with the Astros. And, I mean, this is a team that lost 100 games Three two, years two, in a row. Three, three, three years, years in a row. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you something. They're not, they're not going anywhere for at least five years. They're loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. And that's what I wanted to try to draw the comparison. The divisions are certainly different, but the the plan, I, I mean, and, and you see other teams trying to do this. I think the plan is one that has had success and, and works, and it's a good blueprint. Well, yeah, as Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan. They punch <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, until somebody punches you, know, you in the mouth, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, on paper and, and, and uh, you know, intellectually it makes all the sense in the world, but Houston's so freaking loaded. 
Uh, I mean, they're going to prop. They're going to lose Cole and bring up some other young stud. You know, Verlander's probably got at least one or two more years, and they got Bregman and all those cats. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to pay some money to keep Altuve. I think Altuve has already. Uh, He's already uh, signed. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Got Bregman and then coming. The A's, yeah. You know, the A's are only going to get better. I mean, Olson, Chapman, and that crew, Simeon, they're not going anywhere. So, um, you know, hopefully the kids that we bring up will probably bring up a couple, three more guys that will be on the club next year. Uh, they're going to have to, yeah, to compete with those jokers. They're going to have to really mature, and we got to get some pitches. Hey. I mean, and that's a common phrase. I mean, plugging, fill in the blank there in terms of we need pitching. Everybody says that. Dave, I don't remember. Were you? The, and this will be the last question. D- Bob Melvin, were you broadcasting Mariner games when he was there? No, no. I got there in seven when Hargrove was there. I got okay. there in seven, and okay. Hargrove bailed midway through the season, and uh, we had a great record. I think we were in second place, and I think we took it down to right after Labor Day. We were in a wild card hunt, and then uh, things fell apart. But yeah, and he he walked. He just uh, you know he just I don't know he hit a wall or something, and said, I just want to be with the family. And yep. he walked away from baseball. And he was we had a hell of a record in '07 at that point. Hey, last thing then for you uh, is Kyle Lewis, uh, sort of a much ballyhooed prospect. He's not a kid, kid. He's not 21, 22. He's come up and he's had some success. Is he a piece for the future? Oh, he's, he's darn right he is. He uh terrific kid. Uh, everything. And the only thing I worry about with him, because he had that injury bug the first couple of years yeah. as a pro, and this year, his first full-time spring training, he was impressive then. And I, I, they they kept him down there for, you know, I basically for seasoning, he put up, you know, 264 thereabouts. And I've talked to a whole bunch of scouts and said he's going to play to the level where he is, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. This is his first 10-11 games. I think in terms of his makeup, his family background and everything, he's got to – I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a darn good piece for a long time. Six homers in, what, ten yeah. games, I guess it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah, six and 11 now. Six and 11 yeah, now, yeah. yeah. 11. One last night. He's, All right. He's really impressive. He's got pole-to-pole power, and he probably knows he gets the barrel to the bat pretty quickly. All the right. barrel to the ball pretty quickly. Dave, I'll tell my sister-in-law, Sue Levy, that you said hello. Uh, she Absolutely. Always, she always tells me to say hello to you, so uh, I will. All right. All right, I, fellas. I really appreciate your coming on. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. All, All right. All the best. Good All to hear right. From you. Take care. Thanks. Dave Sims. You want to class your guys around? Yeah. No question. It really is. He's really, it's a, I don't bring race up too often, but there aren't more, you know, it's surprising now in 2020 that there aren't more African-American broadcasters doing play. What, you got him, and then the White Sox number two guy is African-American, Darren Jackson. Yeah. And after that. Well, Gus Johnson. No, I'm talking about play-by-play, oh, play-by-play voice. Well, yeah. Gus Johnson does baseball? No, well, he does basketball, okay. certainly. He's and a team's uh, broadcaster? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no, no. He's, he's a network broadcaster. He's a network broadcaster. Right. I'm talking about the, the, the team broadcast situation. All right. Anyway, we're going to make our contact. <coughs> Do we have him right now? We've got Dave Shine, and I'll let you introduce him and tell that story about Philadelphia <laughs> again. I was uh, talking to Stan about the time we uh, – was it back in, what, 07, I guess it was? He we, says it's 01. 01? Okay, even earlier than that, when we uh, crashed the NBA Finals party up in Philadelphia and you were playing the piano at the hotel up on the uh, up on the second floor and you sang uh, uh, the OJs uh, for Mike, Wil- Mike Wilbon. <laughs> <laughs> that was outstanding. Love Train, yeah. Love Train, oh yeah. How People you doing? All over the world. 
Dave Shinen, uh, how are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I mean, you know, I I, I don't maybe uh, run it like I used to in 2001, but I'm doing all right for an old guy. <laughs> yeah, you're a real old guy, real old guy. Dave Shinen, national beat, uh, national baseball writer for the Washington Post. I always feel like I got to qualify it because the team in Washington is the Nationals. Yeah. But I want to yeah. make it clear you're the national baseball writer. Well, let me let, let me ask you this. They go they lose 2 out of 3 in in St. Louis, but they go to Miami and take the first game. They've got two more tonight at 6:10 and then tomorrow afternoon. Uh they 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 control their own destiny in terms of that top wild card spot to get the game at Nats Park. Uh, they went through Davey Martinez uh, with a little bit of a health scare this week. How do you think they're faring coming down the stretch? Well, I think they're you know they're in good position, um, not great position, but but very good position. I to me, I think the whole thing hinges on that five game series in four days against the Phillies next week, um, because I mean number one that's 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 a grueling schedule they have. I believe you know. Ten games left in nine days. Yeah, um, and 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 that series, you know, with a doubleheader against the Phillies, five games in four days. To me, you know, if the Phillies are, are packing it in at that point, and right now they're five games out of the wild card, you know, they're they're you know essentially done, but still mathematically alive. If they drop a couple more this weekend and 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 start to really pack it in uh, that week. I think that plays, you know, really well into the Nationals' advantage. But if the Phillies are still alive and, and even gain some ground and feel like they have a chance, I think that series becomes a lot tougher for the Nats. So, to me, that's that's where the whole thing hinges. And the Bryce Harper factor in that series, I think, could play a huge role be as interesting. well. I can tell well, you he'll be motivated, won't he? You're right. You're right. That's a great point, too. Yeah. yeah. So We're talking with Dave Shine and Dave, uh, Craig and I were talking. We were breaking down the, the 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 National League versus American League, and we say in the American League, it really seems like th- when you get through all the nonsense, it's going to be Houston and the Yankees playing to get in the World Series. But in the National League, I give four teams a chance to actually make the World Series: the Dodgers, Atlanta, St. Louis, and Washington. Yeah, you know, I do think that. Washington is a team that sort of no one really wants to face just because what they can throw at you, you know, in the starting rotation. Um, Obviously, it's, uh, you know, obviously the Nats do not want to have to use Scherzer in game 162 or even 163 just to get into the wild card game and then have to throw Strasburg in the wild card. You know, it, it, it diminishes them for a division series, but. You know, if they can save Scherzer for the wild card game, win that, and, and you know, start a, a, ro- a rotation in the division series with Strasburg, Corbin, and then Scherzer on regular rest in game three, I mean, that that's a scary team. Um, and, you know, I know they have their deficiencies, uh, but honestly, I, everybody has deficiencies, including the Dodgers. You know, right now, I, I would take the Nationals' rotation certainly over the Dodgers' yep. rotation. Yeah, but even uh, even in the bullpen, though, the Dodgers are, are kind of iffy at times. I mean, yeah, Ken, well, Kenley Jansen's no longer shut yeah, down anymore. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the Dodgers' bullpen issues are a little bit overblown because they're going to be able to shift Maeda, Urias, 
uh, Gonsolin, Dustin May. They're, they're, they're going to be able to shift some of their starters, maybe even Rich Hill, to the bullpen, and it's going to all of a sudden look like a strength. So the ninth inning is still a problem for them and Jansen. I, I, that's a fascinating thing to watch because if you pull him out of the ninth inning, you're going to have a problem on your hands. He's basically already said that, Kenley Jansen has. Uh, but is he your best option in the ninth inning right now? I, I, I don't think you can say that he is. Yeah, it's not as clear-cut as it was. Uh, I want to save the Cubs for a special section in, in our few minutes that we have <laughs> left with you, but I want to ask you what managers you see in Major League Baseball that really are in danger of losing their, their, their gig. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll put aside the Cubs, but they, but there's one right there. Uh, certainly, you know, Gabe Kapler in Philly, Mickey Calloway in New York, uh, How about Andy Green and San Diego? Andy Green, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott Service, you know, with the Mariners in town right now. I mean, that's got to be um, an, an iffy situation there. Garden um, hire, it, garden hire. Well, yeah, although, you know. Um, They've actually and, told him, I think, that they want him. So maybe yeah, he's and, not and in I mean, play. there's a situation that, you know, you, you knew what you were getting there. I yeah. Mean, maybe not 110 losses or whatever it's going to end up being, but. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's already a, a managerial opening that we know of in San Francisco. So, so yeah. there's, there's another one. So there's, there could be quite a, quite a bit of movement in there. So I want to I get to the Cubs because I know we only got you a few minutes. Um, I want to ask you a, a scenario because you, you watch, you know, you observe and watch and write about the national beat. Do you see any scenario – when you think back to when Theo Epstein left the Red Sox, was his relationship with John uh, Henry bad or his relationship was horrible with Lucchino? So with Lucchino out there, is there any chance of a rapprochement there? You know, that is a fascinating question. And, and I, I obviously none of us know what's in the hearts uh, and minds of, of the, the principals there, but it does make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, if you assume that, that the, the, the Cubs cycle has, has reached sort of an, an end game. Um, and not and let me just interrupt for one second. You also could assume that maybe he's really tired of working for the Ricketts family. Well, that exactly. I was going to say that as well. And, and, you know, it's not the Cubs aren't going to go into a rebuild. Obviously, yeah. they still have, a, and they're going to have most of their core back next year. But you can sort of see a window closing there. And I mean, there's going to be an emotional pull back to Boston. There's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of se- sentimental value there. Um, I I could co- I could conceive conceivably see that happening. No question about it. All right. um, there's now- a lot of moving parts there and a lot of obstacles, but it, it makes some sense. Okay. I just wanted to see if you agreed with that. It does to me. It's got a lot of uh, obstacles in its way, but I'll bet the Ricketts family are probably sort of the blooms off the rose to them about Theo. They're probably saying, well, anybody can come in here and spend the kind of money he's spending. But uh, Joe Madden, uh, it seems to me that there's a guy primed to say, hey, guys, even if they want him back now, hey, guys, good luck. Yeah. You're you're right about that as well. I think that he he's a guy who's going to be marketable. I mean, he he will get hired the minute he wants a new job. You mm-hmm. know, uh, so he has that cachet, that juice uh, to to walk away from that 
say that, you know, he, he doesn't like the way he's been treated, the way that he has been, um, you know, hung out there um, and uh, made a lame duck this year. Um, you know, I think the writing's on the wall there very clearly, you know, barring uh, a shocking turn of events where the Cubs get hot and make it all the way back to the World Series right. or something like that. He, he is almost certainly gone from Chicago, either by his own volition or, or by the teams, and he will get hired immediately, you know, by one of these teams we just mentioned or somebody else who just sees an opportunity to get a guy like that and make the move uh, to get him. So he, Joe Madden will have, will be managing next year if he wants to be managing. Let me ask you this real quick. Uh, in, in terms of uh, people who might not be around, well, one, we know he's not around right now. What happens with Dave Dombrowski now, do you think? Well, you know, um, that's a great question. I mean, he, he's, 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 he's certainly not old, but, you know, he's, he's at an age where, you know, GMs are, are generally not getting hired anymore um, in this game, the way the game has changed. Uh, I mean, I could see him uh, taking on a, uh, a, a another role in baseball where he's like a is, league, uh, like working for MLB or the league. That would be yeah. that would be a great move for him as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he would be a huge asset for Major League Baseball in the central offices there. Sort of the um, way Sandy Alderson was like 10 years ago. Or I was about to yeah. just bring up that yeah. exact name. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. just like Sandy Alderson. Two great Andy minds. McPhail, Andy McPhail did it, Yeah, yeah. you know, um, for a time. So that, that's a move that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I love Dave Dombrowski. I, I think that he was, you know, he, he was sort of done wrong in Boston, although I understand the logic of it. Uh, the guy just won a World Series less than 12 months ago. Um, he, he he still has something left to give to the game, and I'm, I'm sure he will land somewhere. What's the old What's the old place over in Canton where you played that rickety piano upstairs? Oh God! Uh, um, and and gin you, mill? Yeah, the gym, and you 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 actually had blisters because of the condition of the piano. Oh, that was a terrible piano. Exactly. Yeah. However, that night he he's doing he's doing Eric Clapton's cocaine, right? And every time oh. he got to that part, he was like, you know, Craig Heist and 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 Oh man. <laughs> hey Dave. That must have been a We well, we were all out there with maroon and <laughs> Hey Dave, oh, real quick, uh, November 12th and tickets just went on sale on their website. Bob Dylan is playing at UMBC. <laughs> Oh wow! All right, um, might be I've the last him, time you could see him. Yeah, I've seen him like three times, yeah. and I've got to say, it was none of them were great. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, you know, uh, he he he, know. he does his thing, and it's not what you ex- what you what want, you want. exactly. Do, but yeah, but that's his thing. I'm, I'm not going to give you what you want because I don't have to. Right. I don't know, man. I think I'm going to take a pass. On All that. right. Well, Shining always gives us what we expect <laughs> and right. more. Dave, thanks. <laughs> and it's great to know that you and I are like. Uh, two, uh, two. We think alike, you know. Yeah, Great minds think alike. That yeah, that's yeah. a scary thought, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thanks for coming on, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks All for having right. me. Hey, we got to tell you. Speaking of uh, great events coming to town, man. Yes. The, the Live Casino Hotel Event Center has a great group of shows coming back uh, out there. As soon as you find the copy. As soon as I find the copy, <laughs> where the hell did it go? I know it's in here. I just saw it before. There it is. No, that's not it. So let me tell you about Sliders. Sliders Bar and Grill across the street from Camden Yards. The perfect place to watch all home and away Ravens and Caps games. Sliders has drink specials every day of the week 
It's a home of fancy, clancy beer. Go to slidersbaltimore.com for all of Sliders' events and specials. We also remind you that the Batter Round is presented by Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil. It helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. And there are a lot of great events coming up, as I just mentioned, at the Live Casino Hotel Event Center during the rest of 2019, including Rock Legends, Grand Funk Railroad, Friday, October 11th at 8 p.m. Tickets start at just $35. More events coming up in the Live Event Center include the return of Live Pro Boxing, October 18th, Boz Skaggs rescheduled concert from an illness, November 1st, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, November 15th, Gladys Knight, November 22nd, Michael Bolton, November 30th, and more. Get your tickets for all of these great events now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Remember, it's Project 12 today. We're looking for 12 shares of the program. You get nothing out of it, but you help us meet our quota. It's almost like political season. We're trying Mm -hmm. to raise money. We want 12 shares today. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, please like the show and share the show. When we get back, Craig Heist and I are going to break down the wild card scenarios in the American League and the National League, both very close and both very interesting. Greg Olson of the Orioles joins us at 1135. Sliders Bar and Grill, just across the street from Camden Yards, is your place to watch every Ravens and Caps game this fall. Every game day features food and drink specials, and Sliders is set with over 20 TVs so you don't miss a thing. Be sure to mark your calendar for October 6th at 1 p.m. when Sliders celebrates Fancy Clancy for 45 years of being Baltimore's best beer vendor. You can enjoy the Ravens-Steelers game and party with Fancy Clancy and his very own Fancy Clancy Beer. Baltimore's beer vending icon will be leading the charge with food and drink specials all game. Sliders, one of Baltimore's oldest bars since 1835, just 771 feet from home plate. Get all of the specials and events at slidersbaltimore.com. Hey Birdland, as fall rolls in, the Orioles have you covered for the last home stand of the season. On Saturday, September 21st, the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can receive an Orioles Sherpa blanket, so you can stay cozy and rock the orange straight into next season. And on Sunday, don't miss out on the final 2019 home game, where the first 20,000 fans 15 and over can take home a retro Orioles t-shirt. Plus, after the game, it's your last chance for kids to run the bases. Be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
KZ Kenzalis here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who has made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. Latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Bill Ordine dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who has made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right. Now, we have a lot of friends over at 105.7 The Fan. Yes, we do. Okay. Jeremy Kahn is on vacation this week. Yeah. We had Ken Wyman filling in for him yesterday. Rob Long did it the day before. Right. Uh, But... Jeremy Kahn has posted a picture on it's, Facebook. It's, it may be the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen a, a, a broadcaster do right. to himself but, but he's having his career. He's having fun. Yeah. He's with his wife <laughs> in, in uh, Germany, and they're going to Oktoberfest. Right. And Jeremy is in a, uh, what, Lind, Lind, Linderhosen? Lederhosen. Lederhosen, that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, I'm just saying, it's a new look for Jeremy. <laughs> I I I texted. Uh, I mean, I Facebook on his post. Right. I put in there that I hope their general manager, program director Chuck Sapienza, is looking because I think there's a great idea for a show there. That that could be JC and in Lederhosen and Scott, right? But, yeah, I mean, Scott. if you can get both of them to dress like that, we got something. <laughs> I hadn't thought of there that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And by the way, Jeremy's out kicked his coverage too. By the yes, way, I just yes, want to let yes, you know. Yes, he has. Yes, right. he has. That said, yes. we love Jeremy. We, and all of his imitations. Yes, we do. We do love him. And he Jeremy. does the best Coach K imitation, too. Does he? <laughs> oh, my God. What, goodness. avoiding talking to the yeah. press? No. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I anyway, love, we've, yeah, we've, I love Duke. We've we've spent <laughs> we've spent some time talking about the National League wild card, and we'll get back to it in a yeah. second. But the American League uh, wild card is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, not at all, because yeah. of what uh, Oakland has been able to do. And well, you know, that teams. was the other thing I wanted to do when we had Dave Sims on was yeah. uh, you know year after year with that club you see them. It reminds me of the old Orioles under Earl Weaver in a lot of ways because they just get red hot, red hot in the second half of the season, and then they turn up, you know, being where they want to be at the end. And you know, Bob Melvin does this continually with the Oakland A's, and it's amazing uh, that he's able to get that talent together at the right time to make the push. And uh, they've been very successful. Now that said, haven't had a lot of haven't had a lot of success when they get there. But and, and you wonder why that is, whether it's they spend so much energy trying to get there. Uh, but again, against the Yankees, uh, they've had a couple different times. They've had 2-0 leads and lost series to the Yankees in the first round. So, uh, but, but to do what Bob Melvin does with that team, Stan, uh, I don't think there's any question about it. He's one of the best managers in, in baseball. I don't. I think. I think he may be the best manager in baseball right now for what he gets out of that team. Yeah. But but they're they are in a three-way dogfight. It looks like Oakland will be in good enough shape to hold on to their position. They're two games in front of both um, the Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay and, Cleveland. and Cleveland. Yeah. But I just wanted to quickly look. They're, they went twelve and two, and this week they're three and, and one. They're fifteen. They're fifteen. They are 15-3 and three in their last 18 games, Oakland. Right. But at the same time, Cleveland is 12-5, and five, including having won five in, their in a row. In last 17, right? Right. And the Tampa Bay Rays have only gone 5-4 and four in their last nine, but you can't dismiss a 6-1 and one two, three weeks ago. They're 11-5, and five, Cleveland's 12-5, and five, Oakland's 15-3. And, and that, to me, is the most intriguing part about the American League wildcard races the race between the Rays and the Indians to grab that second spot. Currently with identical 91 and 63 records at this point, uh, Cleveland's won eight of their last ten, uh, and Tampa's won six of their last ten. So uh, to me, that's where that's going to come down uh, to, to who makes that second wild card game. Here's what those, or that second wild card position. Here's what those three teams have left in, the, and it's very interesting. I think we know that Oakland is going to be there. They're two games in front, and here's what they've got left. Two games at home versus Texas, two against the Angels in Anaheim, four against Seattle. That makes up their eight games. Where, where is it, where's that Seattle series? Is that in, in Seattle? Seattle? Okay. In Seattle. Tampa has three more games left with Boston this weekend, including a wraparound on Monday. Mm-hmm. They're home in, in Tampa. They're also home for two against the Yankees before going to Toronto for three. So that's their eight games. That's a very tough five-game stretch there. That's tough, and especially those last few in Toronto because that's never an easy place to play. And the Blue Jays, no matter how good or bad they are, they always hit the ball well up there. And the Cleveland Indians, this is what they've got left. They've, got, they've won five in a row now. They very well may need to win just about every game to get in. And, mm-hmm. and this is where it gets tricky for the Nationals, too. they got two at home against Philadelphia in Cleveland, three at the White Sox, and three at Washington. 
Well, and that's what makes the Philadelphia series with the Nationals so vital, uh, especially if the Phillies are still in it at right. that point in time. Uh, because if, if they're not, that takes the edge off, other than the fact that you just want to spoil the national season. So if the Indians can beat the Phillies the next two days, the Nationals are going to get a very downtrodden Phillies team. Right. Uh, I would and think I think so. that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, other than the fact that Bryce Harper will be motivated to come back to D.C. and right. those five games kind of make it his own personal showcase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, American League, and I haven't even included, I mean the National League, I haven't even included the Phillies. Uh, we're giving, well, of course, the Dodgers and Atlanta have both clinched their divisions. St. Louis is now four games, three games in front of Milwaukee and five games in front of the Cubs. Right. Um, here's, what, here's where this stands now. Washington, with ten games left to play, so they've got two extra games in hand. Uh, they lead currently the St. Louis Cardinals, I mean, excuse me, the Milwaukee Brewers by two losses, right? They both won 84 yeah, games. 80, well, no. Who, who are we talking about? The Milwaukee and and the Nationals. Okay, yeah, yeah. 84 and 68 for the Nats. Right. 84 and Two games 70. in the loss column, right? Okay, so it's a one-game lead right now. Right. Uh, the Cubs are now 82 and 72. They are two games out of the second wild card position, which is the Brewers right now, and they are a total of four games now behind the Nationals. Right, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you're thinking about matchups and everything. That Washington-Milwaukee game, in, which would be in D.C. Uh, well, on, we think on, it will well, be. Well, we think it will be. Yeah. would be, uh, uh, you know. They are red hot. Mil- Milwaukee's red hot right now. And, you I know, mean, they're, and their, their, schedule problem, play, their schedule plays part of why they're red they're, hot. They're pr- their schedule plays part of it, but the other part of it is, too, they've got some thumpers in that lineup. Even without Christian Yelich, yeah. you can still bang the baseball. And uh, where the Nationals would have the, 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 the edge is in their starting pitching. And here's what those three teams have left, all right? The Washington Nationals, with ten games left to play, have two more against the Marlins, and you'd like to think that the Nationals have a 50-50 chance of winning both of those games and a 80% chance or 85 of winning at least one of them. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's two in Miami, and then they come home for the last eight games at home – that's five versus the Phillies. Monday, doubleheader, two Tuesday. admission doubleheader, day-night on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then they have Friday, they host the Indians for three games, which is a really tricky interleague series to end the season. I don't think I like interleague uh, at the last weekend of the season. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, that well, number one, really the, adva- tricky. the advantage goes to the home team in yeah. that series with the yeah. pitcher being able to hit, Yeah, and it uh, it's not doesn't set up well for the American League team. Yeah. Now, the Milwaukee Brewers, to me, they've got the easiest schedule. They've got the Phillies, I mean, excuse me, two in, two in Milwaukee versus Pittsburgh. This is the Brewers. They then go on the road for their last six, three at Cincinnati, Three at Colorado. Mm-hmm. That's not not hard. The Cubs, who are really on fumes right now, have two more games at home for the season. They're both against the Cardinals. They then go to three uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh um, for three games, and then three in St. Louis. Um, very tricky last week of the season. Yeah, it is. And uh, again. You- 
when you when you think back of teams trying to get in and teams thinking that they've got the things sewn up. Now, granted, we've only got a week left in the season, but you go back to the wild card race where Tampa was nine behind Boston in 11, mm-hmm. and they came from nowhere and then lost it on the last day of the regular season because the uh, Orioles wound up beating the Red Sox at home uh, on uh, Andino's base hit yeah. in front of Carl Crawford. Remember yep, that? Yep, yep. Okay. Pavelbon blew two saves in a row in that series. And then uh, the night that they lost it was the night that Longoria hit the home run uh, to, to, to wind up beating whoever it was they were playing at the time. Um, yeah, might have been the Yankees. Yeah, might have been, been the Yankees. Yankees. That's who I think. Of. And and so and then you know he hits the home run. People going crazy in Tampa, and the Red Sox walked into their clubhouse at Camden Yards and watched that on TV. That was also the same year where the you're a sadist. The, you're a sad, You're a bit of a sadist. Well, yeah, a little bit, because because for two straight days, Pavelbon kept telling us, "Well, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they were killed. And they and they killed him. <laughs> right. But the other part of the other uh, series there was the St. Louis, I say series, but the other collapse was the St. Louis Braves uh, situation where the Braves, the Cardinals came all the way back from 12 down in the middle of August and beat the Braves out for the wild card. So, right. so when it's all said and done, it sure looks like Washington and Milwaukee are going to be the wild cards in the American League, it's I Oakland still, clearly has the, the best chance. Oh, I think Oakland's pretty much going to be solidifying yeah. uh, the number one seed, if you right. will, for a while. Boy, it's teams. a real toss of a coin between Tampa and Cleveland. Well, it is, but but the good thing about that is you know you're you've got a chance because even tied for the second spot, you do control what you can do. Everybody else in the American League is eliminated. Right. It's just those three teams. Yep. Yep. So it's really interesting. Very yeah. interesting. All right. Greg Olson, the uh, former Orioles closer, and he mm-hmm. pitched for a number of teams, including Buck Showalter with the Arizona Diamondbacks, joins us right now on our um, live casino studio hotline. How are you, Mr. Greg Olson? Say that again, Stan? I'm, I'm not hearing you very well. Okay. I was asking how you're feeling, Greg Olson. I'm good. Downtown Baltimore right now, walking around trying to find a quiet place to stop and talk. But I guess it's power washing day downtown. <laughs> well, you, you could get the power walk in with the power washing going on. That's yeah, right. power washing doesn't make for a nice quiet breakfast. Honor, let me ask you this: What was your impressions of uh, Aaron Brooks last night after he took over for uh, for Blyer after those two innings? Oh, he was really good last night, and, and you know the, the reports that I had had on him were, you know, they hadn't seen that come from him yet. He's had maybe what one good outing, yeah. And uh, so they were waiting to see everything get put together. And last night he put it all together, and it was a really good changeup. I, mean, I love this changeup and uh, location on his fastball. And I was told that his, you know, velocity was usually. 9091 and he was 93 most of the night. Well, so that he, was uh that was encouraging to see for him and 
and hopefully he can continue to build build on that. Well, the other thing that he got, and you can appreciate this, was he had tremendous defense uh, behind him last night, and that's something we haven't always been able to say about this team this year. You thought that defense was good last night? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. From the second <laughs> from the second baseman and the center fielder in particular. Yeah, no, they they were really good. And well, you know what I mean. The 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 thing has been all all season is that we don't have any you know plus runners out in the outfield other than Wilkerson, and he's the second baseman. Right. And so you you got guys. So the the defense has to play deep because they don't want to give up the doubles, and and, uh, and so we haven't seen you know a whole lot of great outfield play. We've we've seen some plays on the infield for the most part, but. Yeah, to see Austin Hayes coming out there and, and flat out fly and play some great defense, and he's made a couple special plays the last two nights. And then Alberto, I still think his play was better than uh, Hayes was, but Hayes was more timely. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's interesting this summer, uh, I, I, hadn't th- I hadn't really focused on Orioles outfield defense the whole season until the 89 team came in. And every single one of you that came in that media room where we were all talking to each of you mentioned the outfield defense in 1989, and it reminded me of just how horrible our outfield defense is this year. Um, And Austin Hayes is like a breath of fresh air, uh, adding some speed to an otherwise just uh, not a competent outfield. Well, it's not that they're not competent. It's just they're they're not they're not that fast. That's a good way to put it. Yep. And so you got guys that are average runners out in the outfield. Well, the Orioles have chosen to play them deep and not and not giving up doubles over their heads. Well, then everything in front everything in front falls because they're not going to get to it. Yep. And so you know, I was of the belief that hey, you know what? If I give up a double off the wall, that's my fault. But if I get a broken bat pop-up that my left fielder is so deep on the track that he can't get to, that's your fault. And that's more, it's more demoralizing to me to watch a, a good pitch fall in front of a deep outfield than a double go off the wall on my own mistake. Cal Jr. probably put it best after the 88 season. He said, all of a sudden in 89, we had a bunch of rabbits out in the outfield that could catch anything. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and they were, I mean, the, the 89 guys were challenging each other, you know, one-upping each other on, on who could make the best defensive play. You know, Finley, Brady, or Slack was unbelievable. The dive, you know, diving side slide that you can't figure out how he ended up where he got to, and but the ball was in his glove. So I didn't care how they did it, and it was, it was fun to watch, and you're, start, you're starting to see a little bit of it with Hayes. i got to ask you a question about Aaron Brooks. Last night at the um... – you know, there's there's sort of one new position that's been invented in in pitching because of the opener, and that's the whatever you want to call it, the bulk guy after the first two innings. It, it, for a guy who has trouble in the first inning, is that possibly a good position to think of Aaron Brooks as a as a guy that you have an opener start the first two innings, and maybe he just comes in a little looser. Because he's not really starting the game. You know what? That's one theory I was trying to figure out last night, and yeah. I, I really couldn't. I was wondering, you know, does the nerves of knowing that Blyer's going to start all day? Does he have 
you know, the, the starter's nerves all day. Right. Or does Brooke, does Brooke keep them? Brooks keep them? And I, I couldn't, I, you know, I, I don't know. It would be a question to ask. Yeah. I mean, my, never... my amateur psychology tells me that if a guy continually has problems in the first inning, maybe, maybe it's not a good idea to have his first inning be inning number one. Maybe you try and change that up a little bit. And I think the opener, conversely, I watched Tanner Scott, who I think you'd agree, Greg, has a major league plus-plus arm, but psychologically he does not have the stuff to be a, 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 a high-leverage relief pitcher. To me, the perfect place to put him would be in the first two innings. Well, then conversely, you go the other way on that one, and he is erratic within the strike zone. Right. Do you agree with that? Yes. Now, you, the last thing in the world I want is my first inning getting blown up I, by four walks. Right. I understand that. But I, my, so, sen- I my, sense is, my sense is you'd be attempting, you'd make a short attempt at seeing if that loosens him up a little bit that he's just told that day, hey, you're starting tonight, you know. But you sort of plan. I agree with you. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree, Stan. I think uh, that it might might be a way to to get Brooks cleaned up a little bit and get over whatever first inning issues. Yeah, and then have you know maybe have Tanner Scott and have somebody else behind him ready. Yep, and see if he can you know put things together a little bit. So I, it's not. It's just a different. It's a different world, and, and I, I like the fact that Brandon Hyde's willing to go. Yeah, you know what? We just threw this at the wall, and you know it was going to be. It might have been Blyer unless he pitched, and then if Brooks pitched the other night, then we were going to do this. And I was like, I, I love that. Yeah, I do too. That, that he's willing to just to go. Hey, this is kind of the plan, but if it doesn't go that way, then I'm 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 going to go something else. I mean, if you look at the Orioles' projected starting rotation, and we're all keeping our fingers crossed that the club will get something in the next two years, especially next year, out of Alex Cobb. It's not a given, but you're hoping that. And then you got Means and Bundy. So how do you get the other two starters? And I don't think the club right now, given their rebuilding situation, is going to spend a lot of money to bring in a starter. So I think you got to be creative with those other two spots, and I think an opener and a bulk guy one day a week or every five days is one way to try and accomplish that. Yeah, it might be. You know, it might be if you got a guy that like Brooks that needs to just get the first part of the game alleviated from him and let him relax. But it, you, you have to have you have to have a guy that I, I guess I don't know what they're calling it followers. Yeah. And you have to have that guy being a starting pitcher because you can't go, you know, one out every five days and do a, a bullpen with five guys. Right. Because you'll get them, they'll get wiped out. And uh, so, I mean, it's not a bad theory. I was looking at, you know, the lineup last night for the Mariners, and it's got six out of nine lefties. Right. And I was going, man, perfect world. You could bring Tanner Scott in here, and he could run through the order once. Right. And wipe out, their, you know, wipe out six of the nine guys. Um, but it's just that it's not done that way in baseball, and and you know then you lose those two guys for most of the series. So that's why it's not done. But it was an interesting kind of wow. You really could kind of devastate this lineup at throwing some lefties at it. 
Now, now I forgot when we drafted, when the Orioles drafted you in '89. Had you ever started games in college, or were you always a relief pitcher in college at Auburn? No, I started my freshman year. Couldn't handle the, the college way of, you know, throwing on Saturday, and then I might get an inning on Tuesday, and then throw again on Saturday, and you know, basically playing once a week. Um, didn't play well with my mentality. So I went to a reliever my sophomore year, and I actually—I was actually a starter for the USA team in the Pan Ams, just because they had, felt like they had a better closer. Right. Um, who was who was that at the time? It was Chris Carpenter out of Georgia. He was a fastball cutter, could dot the eyes, and I—he only had two pitches, and I could—I pulled the change up and a slider out, and had four. And is that the Carpenter that ended up with the uh, Cardinals? Yeah, he ended up with the Cardinals. Yeah. Got probably five or six years in yeah. relief, and um, actually the punter for Georgia as well. So pretty good athlete. Where did you learn the curveball, and to be able my, to throw it as effectively as you did? Oh, uh, my dad. Uh, my dad taught it to me when I was thirteen. I was only allowed to throw it once once a game when I was thirteen, twice a game when I was fourteen, and um, and you know, eighty and me. eighty times a game when you were twenty four. <laughs> well. Taught me how to spin it right, and um, then I got to college my sophomore year, and, and you know, I was trying to dial up the velocity on it, and couldn't figure out how to do it. And then I started shortening my stride, and the shortening of my stride created more body tilt, and I was able to I was able to throw a curveball as hard as I wanted to throw it. Now, and that was where it, it, you know, maintained its depth and. No, and I was I was just trying to figure out whether it was something somebody taught you or was it something you learned on your own or just how that developed. And I'm glad you said your dad was the guy that did it. Yeah, and uh, I still use some of his tricks in teaching guys curveballs with you know two. Sorry, two That's okay. taped together. Um, a, a coke can. You know, I was flicking that and trying to make it go top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I still use some of his tricks on teaching curveballs, and yeah, it was uh, it was homemade. How are you? How are you settling in? This is your second year that I know of that you've been doing some broadcasting with the Orioles. Have you been able to uh, do other work too, like with uh, some college games, like Ben? Yeah, I did. I haven't gotten as much in the uh, the SEC. They kind of got their guys that have been doing it for a little while, so right. I've been able to to break past them. Um, I'm hoping the ACC network takes me in and I can do some work with them. But, you know, but that would be great. Love, to, love yeah. to do more with the Orioles. It's always fun to get back here. Got to, got to get more cable, uh, subscribers or cable systems to be, uh, picking it up, picking it up, uh, that ACC network. Yeah. It's supposed to be online now, I believe for the football. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going, but, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the idea right now, just trying to figure out, you know, just trying to get more games for next year. Is broadcasting at this point in time for you your sort of chosen path, or would you still like to get back into uniform and help a big league club? Um, you know what, I would have said broadcasting, but over the, the past month, I took the uh, gra- undergraduate student assistant at Auburn University, so I'm helping with the pitchers at Auburn. And you really found that entertaining to you? You like it? You know what? Yeah, it's days, you know, I, the other day I was just uh, 
you know, dragging after class and, and not a great night's sleep and kind of dragged my butt into the, uh, the, the locker room. And then as soon as I get out on the field with, you know, these college kids and they're playing catch and it's just like I'm reinvigorated again and talking baseball and trying to get guys to work on some things and, and uh, you know, that, that part of it. It was kind of surprising because I was like, I didn't know, you know, if I was going to just drag through a couple hours of practice and all of a sudden energy picked up and I was excited to be back out there. So I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's interesting. Do you think that the curveball is being taught up, uh, correctly at all levels? Because the pitch doesn't seem like it's as popular now as the slider, the four-seamer, the cutter. Uh, it just seems like it's about the fourth or fifth best pitch for most pitchers today and it seems like we could be primed to make a comeback on that pitch and who better to teach it than Greg Olson well thank you um honestly the curveballs was going away is going away because it's hard to teach it's hard to learn and it's not something that I can just I could hand you a baseball and and you could you could start spinning a slider right away right um just the concept of the curveball takes a little bit of time. That's why, you know, I got to have some toys to, to show them how to spin it right. And that's the two baseballs, t- you know, taped together. Uh-huh. And, and so they could start understanding the hand placement. And that's, that's the only reason it's just hard to teach. It takes, it takes some time to learn. You can't just pick it up, you know, in a bullpen today. Is, is that, a, it is an easier pitch on the arm than the slider, isn't it? If thrown, if thrown um, correctly, yeah, if thrown correctly, yeah. There's there's not one one ounce of stress on the elbow. If if a pitcher goes out, a starting pitcher, and he throws ninety to a hundred pitches, how many can he throw? How many can he spin effectively in a ninety pitch outing? Can he throw it thirty thirty five times? I think he could. I think you know the the ability to throw 120 pitches is getting away from everybody now because everything that they throw is a high effort, high velocity pitch. You know, you get, <clears throat> you get a little bit of a break by throwing a changeup. You know, you're, it doesn't take the stress on your arm of throwing a changeup or throwing a curveball, something where I'm, I'm throwing something at 80%. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, almost like a non-pitch. You know, but nowadays everybody's got hard and harder, and I just that's why I I think you're just seeing guys run out of pitches at at ninety, hundred pitches, just max effort on everything. Yeah, yeah. Otter, let me ask you this: in terms of and to get away from pitching for just a moment, you've been around this team some this year. Trey Mancini, here was a guy that had such a tremendous first half. And after the break, it seemed like whatever he did in the first half, like he hit a wall. For like a like he hit a wall for a while, and the average I think dropped to like 263 or whatever, and he was really struggling. And all of a sudden, he found it again. He was named the most valuable Oriole yesterday or the day before. Uh, what do you see with him in terms of not just the production this year, but going forward and how he can build on what he accomplished this year? But I think, you know, everybody kind of hits the wall. It's a long season, and you run into the dog days of August or, you know, late July when you recognize your team's out of it. And it's it's hard to be a selfish, 
player, but that's kind of what you have to do when your, your team's so far out of it. So I, I can see him hitting a little bit of a wall. Almost everybody does. And I've just been really encouraged watching him this series and you know, a little bit last series that, man, he's, he's gotten hot again, and it's right at the end of the season, and you just love the fact that he's you know, picking up the energy again. Um, building forward, I don't know. I mean, you, you can hope he works on some defensive skills so that, you know, they can keep him on the you know, corner of the outfield or, or first base. You know, we got a, a glut of corner infielders. So you'd like to see Trey maybe out in right field. And then um, offensively, man, I don't know what you do any differently than he's doing. You know, 34 home runs, 90-some RBIs. And I, I laugh every time I see somebody put a shift on him. Because mm-hmm. I'm going, where are you shifting? <laughs> yeah, because he hits uh, most of everything he hits when he's going well is to right center field. Yeah. And then right down the right field line the other right. night. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, why you got him pull shift in the infield? I was like, who's the genius that does that? Because he'll just easily spray one through the you know, 43 hole to right field right. on anything that you throw away. And it's a danger if you go in too much, he's, he's going to spin it out of there. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what offensively. I, I just hope he maintains. Yeah, you've gotten to watch uh, Michael Givens uh, up close. Uh, you know, you're not doing eighty, ninety games, but you probably watch some Oriole games on TV as well as the games that you do. W- what's his best position in a bullpen? I think he might be a good eighth inning guy. Yeah, seventh inning guy. Um, you know, great guy. He's just just shown that the ninth inning isn't his. Yeah. And I don't think we've found that guy yet. And it might be Hunter Harvey. We saw just a glimpse of him. But, you know, Castro's a little erratic with the control. You don't want a guy out there that can lose command. And uh, But stuff-wise, Castro's got the best stuff around. So I, I don't know who the back end is going to be, but I, I would probably, you know, have Gibbons seventh, you know, mm-hmm. eighth. And what are your thoughts on, and I know the guy I'm going to ask you, you go, well, oh, he got racked the other night. But uh, I've been impressed with Dylan Tate other than the other night. You know what? I didn't think he was that bad the other night. It just, there was a couple pitches that I was questioning where they were. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the inning got away from him. But the stuff is there, and it looked like he was he was fine in that situation. Yep. It was just, you know, there's going to be nights where you don't get a couple calls, and all of a sudden, there's a walk, and things just kind of get away. And he's young enough that I can't blame him. Things got away from me when I was 21, 22. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. All right, he's Greg Olson, one of the great relievers in Oriole history and now part of the Orioles radio broadcasting team. We wish you nothing but the best. Um, I love the idea of you teaching some uh, young Oriole prospects how to spin the curveball. I love that idea. Oh, I'd, love, I'd, love to, I'd love to help out, and, and uh, I've offered just, you know, now I'm back a little bit more maybe. Yep. Maybe we can get something done. All right. Hey, it sounds great. Greg, I'll see you at the park tonight. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for coming right. on. Really yeah. appreciate Take it. Take care. All right. There he is, Greg Olson. Yeah. Boy, he, he, you know. I was, I was out in Oakland. Uh, 
Saw the, uh, the, four, the, the four-pitcher no-hitter. Oh, okay. Uh, I covered well, that game. His debut was against the Oakland A's. Yeah, I believe so. And but I uh, couldn't remember whether it was at or at at Memorial Stadium or whether it was in. Might Oakland. have been Memorial Stadium, yeah. but I mean the other game obviously also happened at the Coliseum out there. Right. Was uh, the Malachy, famous game was, was that Malachi Malachi Williamson, Williamson uh, Flanagan, Flanagan and, and Greg Olson. And but Greg. the other game that was out there is when he uh, when he got the save against the A's and he he struck out McGuire. Parker and Canseco in the in the bottom of the ninth inning. That's a pretty good save. Yeah. That's a pretty good save. We're in the live casino broadcast studios, and I have to thank our audience today, Craig Heist and Ryan McGee. Did we make 12? We made 12, so now I'm getting Ooh. greedy because you get people to come in late in the show. It still helps us even now if you like and share the show. Project 12 was a success we may have to up the ante next week. Uh, you're listening to the Bat Around. So We're call your auntie on the phone and tell her to like <laughs> and share the program. <laughs> your auntie. That's very good. I like it. Hey, Craig, uh, you did the commercial earlier in the show for the Costasin, so it's only fair play if I do it. Go right time. ahead. Because they, right. they like a professional broadcaster. Well, well, that's why commercial. I did it the first time. <laughs> uh, seriously. Uh, you know, I know a little something about special. Greg Olson was a special pitcher. I know a little something about special And food. a special guest. And the special the special list at the Costas Inn is absolutely incredible. Monday night is crab cake night. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. And on steak night, they also give you half-price bottles of wine. Any wine that they have, half-price. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday night, there's a whole host of specials that Pete will uh, make up in, con- in cons- consultation with the chef. Uh, what is So if all that is Pete, what does Nick do, right? He's, well, he's, Nick, he's, he's the head crustaceanologist. He's the head crustaceanologist. He's, he's the bucky. He's, well, we, well didn't we didn't say that. I, we didn't say that. It was Ryan McGinnigan that said that. Yeah, send your cards and letters to Ryan, Ryan McGinnigan. McGinnigan. Yeah, back over at Towson University. Uh, the Costas Inn, seriously, 4100 North Point Boulevard. This time of year, like no other, best for steaks, I mean for crabs, crab cakes, and crab soup. Now it's time for me to tell you a little bit about some special shows. You get, you see what I did there with the word special? Uh-huh. You see Loving what I that. did? Yeah. Loving that word. Too bad, too bad you weren't more specially prepared. <laughs> well, there's lots of special events coming up at the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Rock Legends Grand Funk Railroad, Friday, October 11th at 8 p.m. I can't get enough of your love. Tickets start at just $35. More events coming up in the Live Event Center include the return of Live Pro Boxing, October 18th, Boz Skaggs with his rescheduled concert November 1st. Kenny Babyface Edmonds November 15th. Gladys Knight November 22nd. Michael Bolton November 30th and more. Get your tickets for all of these great events now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com. That's LiveCasinoHotel.com. We'll be back and close things out here from the Live Casino Hotel studio on the Bat Around right after this. 
Press Box's Project Game Day is back, as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa in Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Press Box on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordeen dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who has made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty Smokehouse Barbecue Sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. We are back in the live casino hotel studios. I've got one you know, last reminder that I got to tell people that this bat around program today, as it is each and every week, is brought to you by Mobile One, Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil. It helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Yes. During the break, we were discussing Charlie Geckman, one of the great sports icons in Baltimore. Uh, got his. Didn't know the guy. Didn't know Never the guy. Know but I got to be honest with you, he, he was a character, yeah. one of a kind. 
was an NBA official early in NBA his life, coach, and yeah. an NBA coach, right? And uh, but just some of the things we were talking about, you kind of wonder how Charlie would have made out in this politically correct world that we live in. Nah, he he went at the right time for Charlie. Ekman. He would his head would have exploded yes. with all the political That's correctness. Um, Charlie Ekman, very fond of him. By the way, if you go to, if you Google, hold on one second, I just want to see. And it's still not too late, by the way, to like and share the show. Yes, if you always Google, appreciate that. This is so typical of me at 67. I go to Google and I start typing in Google. Charlie Ekman and then press box. If you want to read a great story, remembering Charlie Ekman mm -hmm. in Press Box, okay? The story wasn't called Remembering Charlie Ekman. I forget what the what it was called, but it was one of it was one of my favorite covers. The uh, guy who uh, who did the um, uh, the cover, uh, my friend Brad Meerholtz designed it. He had Charlie smoking. We had a picture of Charlie smoking a cigar, and he created through the graphic. Something with the the smoke mm -hmm. the ring. I forgot what he did with it. It was really inventive. It was really incredible. Well, Charlie Charlie came along at a time where and and when I grew up, I listened to him uh, as part of the Johnny Walker show yep. on WFBR. Okay, because Johnny Walker was like one of my all time favorites growing up as a kid. Uh, and what what made Charlie so special was the fact that he was number one down home Baltimore. Number two, never at no a loss. Filters. No, no filter. filters, never at a loss for an opinion. Yep, yep. That was Charlie. Uh, very fun remembering Charlie yes. Ekman. But again, if you want to read a great cover story, it was a couple of years after he died. I think he died in 04, 05. Uh, remembering Ekman, PressBoxOnline.com. Just go to Google, type in Charlie Ekman PressBox, and the story will come up. All, All right. right. Many thanks to Ryan McGittigan. Many thanks to you, Craig Heist, and um, what's next week? Uh, uh, next week, don't know yet. Uh, I'll have to get. Nats. Well, I got the Nats, but they don't start till four o'clock, so it depends on probably what the situation is with them and the wild card. Sounds and like it might be a good phoner hmm. for you. Could be. Saturday. We'll All have right. to wait and see. I know we got Matt Slatus. He texted me last night that he couldn't do today. Um, but he can do next week. Okay. So he's now, you know, he's now running the facility in uh, uh, Palm Beach. Palm Beach Palm for, Beach for yeah, the right. Nats for and the, the Nats and the, and the No, the Nats and the Astros. Astros, I'm sorry. Yeah. Astros, okay. Yeah. So you'll be, you you get down it's, there some season. So, yeah, well, it's the uh, the ballpark at the, the ballpark at the Palm Beaches. Right. And you might, because of your uh, affiliation with the Nats now doing the probably game, yeah. you'll probably be down there a little bit. A little bit, maybe, All hopefully. Right. Hopefully. All right, Ryan, thank you very much. Go Tigers. They play tonight at Johnny United Stadium at 6 o'clock And tonight. Steve Molesky is going to that game. He is shirking his duties from, from, from MassInSports.com. That's uh, good for him. Good for good him. Good for him. Um, he looked at me last night and said, heck with I'm going to the football game. <laughs> and by the way, I am heading out to Dogfest now out at the Baltimore Humane Society on Nicodemus Road. So many lines, so little time. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they have me judging some competitions starting at 1.30. So we got to get out of here. Thanks for watching and listening. Still not too late to like and share the show. Project 12 was a success. Next week we'll make it Project 14. Woo! 
All right. Have a great weekend, everybody.